So I had to switch up the intro music this week because the Bucks switched it up this week with a win in primetime on Thursday night football. What what a game. What a win for Tampa Bay. Um, on the road on a short week in primetime against the Panthers, a team that Tampa usually has a shootout with but has a hard time beating because of Christian McCaffrey. That... There is just so much to go over in this game. Holy shit, Tampa Bay defense. Just wow. What a performance by Jameis. What a performance by this defense. Just wow. All I have to say is wow. But we have we have a lot to talk about. We had a, a crazy start to the game, a crazy delay, weather delay, and some god-awful commentating. My lord. So before we get into the game, I the actual gameplay itself, I want to get into both commentators and the NFL Network. Wow. All I have to say in that is also wow, because holy shit, you guys are bad. Um, so before the game, you know, NFL Network usually shows all the, the Thursday night football games, and it's primarily only you can watch it on there. So if you don't have the NFL ticket or, you know, the game is in your area. Like, let's say you're a Bucks fan in in Texas and uh, you don't have NFL Network. You're going to have to go to a bar or somewhere else to eat to watch the game because it's not on regular TV. So, NFL Network. Um, how biased can you be? I mean, it was actually kind of annoying having to listen to uh, some Patriots ex-player. I forget who it is. And Lindsay, somebody who was just cringeworthy. It was probably... The worst pregame show and then weather delay show I've ever watched. I mean, all you heard was Carolina's making a run for the playoffs, for the Super Bowl maybe. Cam Newton's going to have a great night. Christian McCaffrey might have a a career day against Tampa Bay in this god-awful defense. Um, Let's be real about who Tampa is. Tampa's not really playing for the playoffs. This would be, you know, a huge upset for them if they were even able to pull it off. And man, fuck you, NFL Network. Good God. Just how <laughs> how biased can you be? And don't even get me started on Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Joe Buck hates Tampa Bay. I don't know why. I don't know what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did to Joe Buck, but Joe Buck does not like us at all. I mean, good Lord. It was... Oh, well, Tampa's doing this, and Cam's just not performing tonight. No credit whatsoever to any damn buddy that did nothing. Shaq Barrett had three sacks, and Joe Buck acted like he just, meh, it was okay. Troy Aikman looks like he's high all the time, so, I mean, hey, just, the both of them shouldn't be commentating at all, ever. Why do they have jobs still? No one wants to listen to them for three hours. Put Gene Decker off on. NFL Network. Put Pat McAfee on NFL Network. Wasn't he? I mean, I know he's doing Thursday Night Football, but God, where, Pat McAfee, are you? That would have been a hell of a play call. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? For the brand? Pat McAfee would have been sold on defense instead of kickers on that game, okay? What an absolute dominant performance by Tampa's defense. So no one else is going to talk about it, but I will. I don't care, okay? Screw NFL Network, you know, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. They're ridiculous. This is absolutely horrible. They, they need to fix that immediately. Oh, my God. Uh, almost as bad as the commentating during that game and the pregame and weather delay show was the camera angles. Now, 
for those of you who watch the game and you know what I'm talking about, know that the Buccaneers and Carolina game was delayed, um, like, middle of the first quarter because of some lightning. Now, I understand that. I know why the weather delay happened, and that's okay, okay? You live in Tampa Bay, you're a Bucks fan, you know weather delays happen at least three or four times a season. It's just the inevitable. We live in the sunshine, but not so much sunshine state. <laughs> but... The camera angles. Evidently, they had two camera angles down, or only had two camera angles because of the storms and lightning, and it was unsafe for the, the people to go man them. I understand that. But you didn't have a backup plan? Like, you knew the storm was coming. It was no surprise to anybody that, that uh, Charlotte was having some some not-so-great weather that night, and it just seemed like they missed the ball on it. Um, so for, you know, the first part of the first, and some I think through the whole first quarter, it was just a what they called a quote-unquote Madden view, which was behind the quarterback, and you really couldn't see jack shit that was going on. Okay, it's fun in Madden to see what your player is doing. When you're trying to watch a football game that has 22 players on the field, I don't want to stare at fucking Cam Newton. I don't, okay? I don't want to stare at his ass for the entire play, trying to figure out if someone got open, someone made a great play on either offense or defense, or if someone had a great release and made a big play for the offense. I don't want to see that. And then we had another weird, over-the-top, look like a, a bird's-eye view, which was okay. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great either. But NFL Network, get your shit together. You guys have this lucrative contract with the Thursday Night Football to air these games, and you, it was an absolute shit show. Okay, it was horrible. That was, listen, I'm a Bucks fan, and I didn't even want to watch that game at that point. I mean, obviously I wanted to watch it, but... It was just a clusterfuck, and it was absolutely horrible to watch. People made fun of that game the entire night. No one wanted to watch it, okay? It was just a shit show. All right, enough ranting about bad bad commentating and NFL Network and camera angles. Let's talk about this game. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, Tampa defense. I haven't seen defense like this in Tampa Bay in decade, at least a decade. They absolutely shut down. I mean, shut down Cam Newton. Cam Newton looked like a shell of himself. Now, I personally believe Cam Newton was not healthy. I, I don't. It was just apparent to me in the first game that they played against the Rams. Um, his throwing motion is not what it used to be. He looks like he has to put everything he has into all of his throws. He hasn't run the ball effectively at all. I think he's had six rushes for zero yards. Um throughout two games. Now, I know the Rams have a great defense in themselves, but they couldn't run against this Bucks defense either. I mean, nothing. Uh, Cam Newton looked like an absolutely defeated man. And hurt or not, it was because of this Bucks defense. Shaquille Sack Barrett had three sacks on the night. Three. Not one, not two, not three. And had the Superman celebration to... <laughs> To end all celebrations, like, that's it. He wins. He wins best celebration of the week, and we've only played one game of football for week two. He wins. Just hand him the title already. Give him give him angriest run against that left tackle for the Carolina Panthers because he was a bully all night long. Not only did he have three sacks, he had eight quarterback pressures. Eight against Cam Newton. Like, this big, feared, six-foot-five-looking guy Eight quarterback pressures. That's insane, okay? You, you don't get that against somebody. It doesn't happen very often, if at all, in the NFL. 
So for him to pull that off was just, wow, wow. And Shaq Barrett had an incredible night, but so did Vita Vea. Vita Vea, through two games, has absolutely proven that he is worth his number one, this first uh, first round pick. He, for two straight weeks, has just walked back centers into their quarterback. He's been disrupting plays. He literally was in Cam Newton's face and could have, you know, he could have smelled what, what Vita had for breakfast if, if, you know, if Cam wanted to. He was that close to him. He made Cam uncomfortable all night. They couldn't stop him. Vita Vea is an absolute monster. I can't wait to see what he does this season. Uh, Nindamakin Sue, of course, got the double team a lot of the night, but that opened up a lot of holes for Vita Vea to impose his will on that offensive line. Um, the rookie, Anthony Nelson, had a fumble, uh, caused a fumble with uh, Levante David, and he also had a pass defended against Cam, got right up in Cam's face and swatted the ball down. So it wasn't just one guy. It was the entire defense. The entire defense that kind of came together and forced this win. Vernon Hargraves had 12 tackles. Vernon Hargraves last season, okay, was absolutely horrible. And he did get burned for a big play earlier in this game. But he also had 12 tackles. And he made the game-winning tackle on fourth and half yard. Fourth and a half yard against Christian McCaffrey at, like, the one-yard line. He stopped Christian McCaffrey half a yard from the first down. With a minute left to go in the game, on fourth down to win the game, Vernon Hargraves, like you, you would if you told me last season that Vernon Hargraves would have a game-winning saving tackle against Christian McCaffrey on the one-yard line, I would have laughed at you. I would have absolutely laughed at you. But my lord, they held Christian McCaffrey to 37 rushing yards on Thursday night. 37. He had 209 all-purpose yards against the NFC champion Los Angeles Rams, okay? With Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler and uh, the rest of them. 209 yards, and the Bucks held him to 53 total yards. That's it. That's all he had all night. After all we heard was he could have a career night. He's going to run all over them. He's the next coming of Barry Sanders. Shut down him down, shut the entire stadium down, shut them up. No one said a damn word all night because Christian McCaffrey was not just anything. He did nothing all game. Cam Newton missed, oh my God, so many throws. Cam Newton, I think, had a, what was a passer rating of like 60 at some point? I think he had like seven or eight uncatchable throws. He was just off. He couldn't set his feet and step up in the packet like he wanted to. This Bucks defense is legit, okay? Through, and we're dating back to the preseason, okay? Now I get it; it's preseason, doesn't count. But the Bucks have forced a turnover at least one, at least one turnover in all six games so far this season, including preseason and the two games of the regular season so far. In that six-game span, they have nine takeaways. Nine. Okay, this was a defense that took away, that had zero takeaways in an eight-game span last season. Okay, zero. In an eight-game span last season, and they already have nine through quote-unquote six games. They have three in a two-game span already, 
They have four sacks on the season who all belong to Shaq Barrett, who I tried to warn you guys. <laughs> I tried to tell you that Shaq Barrett would be a 10-plus sack player this season. He is already nearly halfway there. He At this point, he really could have it by, like, week six. 20 sacks? I mean, technically not out of his reach at this point, so we'll have to see. But, man, this Bucks defense is smothering. Um, Carlton Davis had a really nice game himself, had a couple pass breakups, but also Carlton Davis has got to stop holding. He has to learn to not grab. This is, I think, going back into the preseason as well and last season, he gets into these situations where he panics and grabs onto guys. And it's cost the Bucks now in the past two games first downs when they could have got off the field. He has to learn not to grab on the guys. If he can do that, he could be the Bucks' number one corner or, or be in a close competition with Verdon Hargraves for that. He really can. He has the length in his arms. His speed still kind of concerns me just a little bit. He looks like he gets burned at times, but his length, you know, kind of helps and makes up for that. But if he can just, just be a little bit more disciplined, like I said, he had a great game. He had seven tackles, okay? Had a great game. But if he can just limit those penalties, he's going to be a hell of a corner for us. Um, the defense was just smothering. I can't get over how good they did. They gave up 300 yards to Cam Newton, but he had to throw 50 times for it. Okay? If, if a quarterback's throwing 50 times, I'm okay with giving up 300 yards. Okay? Especially when you only gave up 53 rushing yards to, in my opinion, the second... No. Okay, maybe the third best running back in the game. I have Saquon first, Zeke second, excuse me, Zeke Elliott second, and then McCaffrey third. Now, Alvin Kamara is a close close to me there, so maybe he and McCaffrey are tied for third, but if you had to ask me Kamara or McCaffrey, I'm going to take McCaffrey. That's just my personal opinion, though. Um, so if you stop the number three running back in the league to 53 yards after he, he gouged the NFC, the, the defending NFC champion Rams, that's a win. That is an absolute win, and no one is going to give the Bucks respect. They haven't from what I've seen so far um, as far as national news coverage. Um, Good Morning Football kind of gave them a little head nod. You know, what a great job they did. But everybody else is just talking about how Cam Newton – had a bad night, bad blocking, yeah, yeah, whatever, okay, whatever. Tampa had a great game. But this offense, oh, Tampa's offense just just can't get it going. It can't. The pass offense can't get it going. Um, last week, we saw Ronald Jones have what I would call his breakout game. He had 75 yards on 13 carries. And this week he seemed to start getting it to going a little bit better. It looks like he tweaked his ankle. Um, that's which is why he was out. Now I thought to myself, why is Ronald Jones not in? And learned later that he had tweaked his ankle on the twelve yard run he had. They didn't want to risk it and have him, you know, injure it further or aggravate it more. So they took him out. Understandable. And Peyton Barber had himself a day. Okay, he had eighty two yards total rushing. Had a touchdown. He seemed fired up. He ran hard. He ran fast. He ran heavy. Um, both of these running backs for the Buccaneers have played outstanding the first two weeks. Um, and that's all thanks to the offensive line. You know, week one, I had a lot of gripe against the offensive line, particularly Donovan Smith and Demar Dotson. But they held their own, honestly. I mean, a couple holding penalties there, here and there, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But the offensive line as a whole, 
overall had a great game. They did. Um, they made lanes for Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones when he was in. Alex Kappa looked really solid next to Ali Marpet. Ryan Jensen, wow. Ryan Jensen has been the best offensive lineman for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Um, nothing against Ali Marpet. Ali Marpet is probably a top 10 lineman. Um, but he, I think he did get beat a couple times during this game. So I'm going to give the nod to Jensen in this game um, overall. But Ryan Jensen, God, I love his attitude. He will get right up in your face. He is playing mental warfare against you. He wants to get in your head. He wants to make you pissed off. And I saw a video of him talking about it. He wants to make it so you're more focused on trying to get him back, trying to shove his face in the dirt, trying to, you know, piss him off instead of, you know, watching the game, trying to get to the running back, trying to get to the quarterback. He wants you to be his folk. He wants you to focus on him. And not the quarterback, not the receiver, not the running back. He just wants to get in your head. And he did that to Gerald McCoy. Of all people, Gerald McCoy. (laughs) Ryan Jensen pissed Gerald McCoy off so bad that he he got a 15-yard penalty on himself. Gerald McCoy did. And it led to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers touchdown. You can't make this stuff up. You (laughs) You can't ask for a better turn of events, okay? Gerald McCoy got all pissy and shoved Jensen and got the 15-yard penalty that led to a touchdown. Now, that is how you play offensive line. That is how you get contracts like the one Jensen did. That is playing to your potential right there. I I couldn't believe it. I I couldn't believe that they got inside of Gerald McCoy's head, and I couldn't believe how well this offensive line really held it down for the most part. Um... Donovan Smith still was a little iffy, but, you know, held his own throughout the game. Uh, DeMar Dotson was pretty good, but Alice Kappa, you know, I wrote Alice Kappa off, so I have to eat crow on this one. I did not believe Alex Smith was going to be ready for this position. I really thought that Earl Watford would be our starting right guard. Um, so kudos to you, Alice Kappa. You have proved me wrong, um, and I'm behind you. Hashtag Kappa Valley. Keep creating those lanes for this running game. And this Tampa team can be excellent. They can be a really good football team. Todd Bowles has turned around this defensive line, this defense as a whole. Um, so if we can just get the offensive line, I'm sorry, the offense as itself going, this team can be deadly. Um, and I think a lot of reason or a big part of the reason why this offense hasn't clicked yet Um I don't know if it's just the playbook or if it's just players being a little lethargic. I know Mike Evans was still dealing with that flu bug he had. Um, he had one really beautiful catch from a brilliant ball from Jameis Winston. I mean, right on the money. But then he went out right afterward, and I think he's still dealing with a little bit of a little bit of sickness, especially on a short week and also conditioning. Um, for those of you who have ever had a really bad flu bug, know. Even when you're getting over it still and starting to feel a bit like yourself, you're still having, you know, a hard time catching your breath, a little hard time being as athletic, as athletic, I should say, as you want to be. So um, even with that hindering, though, Mike Evans still had 61 yards on four catches. So he's going to be fine. Um, I heard a lot of people worried about him, like, well, what's wrong with Mike Evans? He's fine. Okay, he's fine. Mike Evans is going to Mike Evans. I'm not worried about him at all. Just... 
after these 10 days, um, I think he's going to have a huge game against the Giants. A huge game against the Giants. I don't see them stopping him. I think that after these 10 days, he's going to be fully himself again. I think he'll have some time to get back into some, you know, light conditioning, do some light running, especially during practice during the week. I think he's going to have a huge bounce back game. Um, but we'll get more into that in just a little bit here. But yeah, uh, uh, Evans is going to be fine. I'm not worried about him. Who I am worried about, however, and I don't want to be that person that's like, oh my god, O.J. Howard, but, oh my god, O.J. Howard, like, what is going on? Now, I will give O.J. Howard some credit here. He had a fantastic block on the Peyton Barber touchdown that, I mean, when I say fantastic blocking, it wouldn't have happened without that block from O.J., but he's just looked out of it. He just hasn't seemed like himself. O.J. Howard has the potential to be a top five tight end in this league. He really does. Um, and that's not because I'm a Bucks fan and he's on my team. Just the skill set that Howard has, the, the height, the strength, the speed, the, the hands that he has, the pass-catching ability he has. And you saw it at Alabama when he played there, just how good he can, he can be. But this has now become a run-first team, and that's something that Bruce Arians has said to the public um, and to the media, that this Bucks team is going to be run-first. And I think that's a great, I think. A great idea and a great way to be because that in turn opens up these long developing big plays down the field for Jameis Winston and the receivers. Um, so with the run game getting more established and, you know, pounding away at the defense of the other teams, it's really going to help this offense become more balanced and also score more points. Um, with... Mike Evans being still hindered a little bit by that flu bug. Chris Godwin had another great game. Um, eight catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. He he really, and I mean really, can be a wide receiver on at least 25, 20 teams around the NFL. He would be a wide receiver one, the number one option on those teams. And the Bucks are lucky enough to have him with Mike Evans on the team. So once Mike Evans gets fully healthy, and I think that'll happen next week against the Giants at home, they're going to be trouble. They're going to be one of the best one-two punches in the league, and I don't know a lot of corners that can stop both of them. A lot of defenses that can stop both of them. So that'll be a great thing to see. I think once O.J. Howard gets this offense more down, or down to a better level, and again, this is a brand new offense. They have brand new coaches, so I get it. I understand the struggle. O.J. Howard will get there, but when he does, this team is going to be so, so hard to stop. Especially if Todd Bowles can continue to really send all these unique blitzes and unique packages to the offensive lines. I mean, you're talking about two totally different teams here, in my opinion. Both the San Francisco 49ers and the Carolina Panthers. Now, their play style is a little similar in the fact that they really don't have that big playmaker. Um, nothing against George Kittle, of course, in San Francisco, but there's no real deep threat, in my opinion. George Kittle is more of that, I will hurt you anywhere on the field except for a really big deep ball. Um, now, you could argue Marquise Goodwin with his speed. Dante Pettis, who only saw, I think, what was it, five snaps? And... Uh, Debo Samuel, they're a really nice rookie that I like um, that they picked up this year. 
but there really isn't anyone that can that really showed up that could really be that deep ball. Um, Carolina's the same way. They had Greg Olson who gouged Tampa again, and they'll have to look at that um, for what was it, a hundred yards or ninety-eight yards, something like that. But they really don't have that deep ball. They really don't have that guy that you need to watch out for him. Um, Curtis Samuel, I think, was the closest to that with the one forty-four yard reception he had. But as far as constantly having to watch for a guy on the deep ball, they just don't have it. They don't. Um, they have Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson right now, and that's really it. Especially with Cam Newton not being himself, they just they just don't have that that one guy on the field like Tampa has. Like when you walk into the field against Tampa Bay, the first thing you notice is Mike Evans. Okay, that is the number one guy you have to stop. And both of those teams just don't have that, in my opinion. And on a wide receiver side, I should say, okay, they, they both have, you know, a Greg Kittle, a, I'm sorry, a George Kittle and a Greg Olson, Christian McCaffrey, but wide receiver-wise, they just don't have it. Um, and I think that plays to Tampa's advantage. And they'll have that same kind of matchup next week against the Giants. The Giants. I, I, um, <laughs> I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I don't know who the wide receivers for the Giants are right now. I just don't. Who who plays for them right now? Sterling Shepard? Golden Tate's out. Golden Tate's suspended for another uh, two games, so he won't play against us next week. Um, I really don't know who their receivers are. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not saying they're nobodies. It's just they've had so many injuries that I just... I don't know where they stand. Um, Their number one guy was OBJ... And they traded him to Cleveland. It's just... Wow. It's just wow. Um, so I don't think Tampa's defense has had that that first real... Okay, we have to stop this receiver. Um, we have to stop this, this guy. They've had that with Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle, who are great examples. Again, not taking anything away from those two guys. They're both incredible, incredible playmakers. But as far as a wide receiver standpoint, they just haven't had that guy yet. Um, and I think that'll come in week four when they play the Rams in Los Angeles to start that ridiculous six-game road skid. Um, you know, Brandon Cooks and both Robert Woods are... Whew, that is a... And Cooper Cup as well. That's just... Wow, that is a hell of a matchup. Um, <laughs> that game scares me. You know, you got Todd Gurley. You have um, their backup running back as well, who's played very well. Um, Jared Goff, Aaron Donald. That's going to be, I think that's going to be the first real gut check for Tampa. That's going to be the, all right, here we go. Show us what you're made of. Can you do this against this good of a team? Um, Carolina sure gave them as much as they could handle, so... Tampa, I think, if they can play as well as they have, have a good shot at it. But um, next week against the Giants, I think that this defense, if they can put it together before we head to at Los Angeles, I really think that this six-game, you know, well, not it's not six straight games, okay? They do go to London, quote-unquote, as a home game. In week six against the Carolina Panthers again, but it's in London. That's it's not really much of a home game. It's a lot of traveling. Okay. 
So this team is going to have their first real test, um, I think, in week four. Not saying that the Giants are going to get blown out, but when it, I mean it when it, in a standpoint of where it comes to defending a big-name wide receiver, someone who can really hurt you down the field. They're still going to have their hands absolutely full with Saquon Barkley, the best running back in the league. The number one running back in the National Football League. Of course they have to stop him. But, wow. It's just, it's going to be, it's exciting to see. Like, it's exciting to really want to watch this defense. Like, I was telling somebody that I was watching the game with, I'm more excited to watch this defense ball out at times than watch guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And nothing against those guys. I love them. I love watching them play. But this defense is just so exciting. Watching them play as a group and as a family is just something we haven't seen in so long. So long. They're usually getting beat for 450 and 500 yards a game. And now they did give up quite a few this game as well. They're not a perfect defense right now. But they're playing together as a family. They're not playing as a, oh, well, you did this and this person missed this assignment. No, it's, oh, okay, that's my bad. Well, we're going to fix it. We're going to send this and... I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help shadow this receiver for you. And that's something that I think this Bucks team has, has been missing for a very long time. I mean, a very long time. And the defensive play calling as a whole has been magnificent. I haven't really been too upset with anything on the defensive front, except for there are a few times when I see the cornerbacks again 10 yards off the ball. Makes me kind of scratch my head a little bit. Um... Maybe that's to play, you know, more aggressively when the ball is in the air or, you know, give guys a chance to get that reaction time on the ball, try to make plays on them. But, I mean, whew, I don't know if that's part of the design or just how, how some of these corners play, but it, it definitely gives you flashbacks of Mike Smith. I mean, <laughs> bad flashbacks of Mike Smith. Um, But this event has been great. I mean, to have... Four sacks, you know, in the first two games is not a lot, okay? It, it, it's not. But to have the, the takeaways is the big thing. To have the takeaways be consistent through six games, even if it's preseason, the first four, to have that consistency is a, is a great sign, you know? That was the biggest problem for the Bucks was getting pressure and, and getting their hands on footballs. And that's something that Bruce Arians himself has stressed throughout preseason, throughout training camp, since he, he walked into to one buck place was getting his hands on footballs, creating a defense that would create opportunities for the offense to score points. And that's all we're missing right now is is scoring points on the offense. Um, Again, they struggled down in the red zone to convert touchdowns. And it it wasn't for lack of, you know, getting open. It was drops. Drop footballs are going to drive me nuts. Okay. Now, one was against Mike Evans. He had a beautifully thrown ball over the, the, the cornerback. Um, and, it, and it hit Mike Evans in the hand. Now, it wasn't the easiest catch in the world by any means. Um, but it hit Mike Evans right in the hand. Now, I'm not saying he absolutely 100% should have caught that. But it is a play that we've seen Mike Evans make before. So, in my opinion, that's a drop. Okay. Um, but what was a blatant drop was Rashad Perriman. Um, it was like a couple minutes or... I want to say, what, a couple minutes left in the game, um, Jameis Winston threw a strike. I'm in a strike to Rashad Perryman in the back of the end zone. And it hit him right in the hands and went right through his hands. I mean, it would have been a beautiful touchdown, hit him right where it had to be, right on target, right on time, and he just missed it. 
And it's something that Prashad Perriman, unfortunately, is having a trend of right now is dropped footballs. That would have sealed the game, okay? That would have put Carolina away, gave them no hope of coming back, and he dropped it. And, you know, since they, okay, well, it's a miss, you know, a missed opportunity, kick the field goal. Okay, well, Matt Gay missed the field goal. So not only did you lose six points, you lost three points, and you had what you had at the end of the game. You had them literally a yard and a half from the end zone, and thank God they stopped him, but that would have never happened if he would have just caught the ball. And it's not just that one time. It's been a couple times where he just can't seem to bring the ball in. You're a professional wide receiver in the NFL, okay? He had issues with this in... Baltimore he played really well in Cleveland you know he was credited with no drops on the season and he's been dropping balls left and right here in Tampa Bay so you have to start wondering if maybe I'm not saying bench him but you have to start wondering if maybe Bruce Arians and Brian Byron I'm sorry Byron Leftwich start incorporating guys like Justin Watson and Bobo Wilson and maybe even Scotty Miller the fifth round pick into some of these looks because of the drops okay You, you just can't have them I understand you can't catch every ball. That's a, that's okay. You can't. But to have blatant drops like that again and again and again, week after week, even in the preseason, you know, you have to start having consequences for that. But I hope Perriman can get it together. He has ridiculous amounts of speed. I'm absolutely ridiculous amounts of speed. And Tampa can really use that to their advantage. You know, they have Chris Godwin in the slot who's trying to make that transition absolutely beautifully. He has, what, 100 and, 160, 170 yards and two touchdowns throughout the first two games of the season on, I believe, 12, 12 catches. Okay, he's having a great season so far. Really hot start, really fast start. He solidified himself in this, in this offense already. But the Bucks don't have that real solid third-bar receiver right now. They're missing Adam Humphreys terribly right now. Adam Humphreys, if he was still in this offense would provide those extra catches, those extra yardage that they just don't have right now. So the Bucks have, you know, that decision to make if they want to bring in one of the younger guys to try out in that third spot. But Bashad Perriman's time is running out, in my opinion. You can't wait eight games into the season to know if you have that third spot locked down or not. He has to start making those catches. He has to start making those plays. And the offense as a whole has to stop with the penalties. That is the biggest killer for this offense right now. They'll start moving the ball down the field, but then it's a, oh, it's a holding. Oh, it's a false start. Oh, delay of game. Illegal blocking down the field. 12 man in the huddle. That's the one penalty you cannot have as an offense. Never should you ever get called for 12 men on the field. That's just, that's just being lazy, and that's just being, you know, not aware of your surroundings to have 12 players in the huddle. It's just something you can't have as a, as a team. And while as frustrating as that is, um, Bruce Arians won't stand for it. And that's something that has already been apparent with this team, with this new coaching staff, is that they're not going to sit back and let players just continue to make those same mistakes. They're not going to, I'm not going to say punish them for it, but Bruce Arians is not going to put up with 13 penalties in one game. You typically won't win a game that has 13 penalties against your team. It's just it's just facts. When you're giving up nearly 100 free yards to an opposing team, that's a touchdown. That's equivalent to a touchdown. You can't just you can't have that. Um, so I think Arians, you know, giving the guys a long weekend with this mini bye week, 
not only gives um, guys like Devin White, who has a grade one MCL sprain, also guys like, you know, Ronald Jones and the still hindered Mike Evans chances to heal, but I also think it gives him time to really nail it into these guys' heads that they cannot make those same mistakes over and over and over again where it's going to cost this team football games. Um, but overall, just an incredible performance by the defense. This team is legit um, defensively. I really think that they can be a top 10 defense this year if they continue to play this way, if they continue to play with just such grit and determination. Um, the offense, I think, will click. I don't, I'm not really worried about it. The run game next week is going to be important. Stopping Saquon's going to be just detrimental to getting a win at home before they go back on the road. But overall, I'm really satisfied. Um, putting it to Gerald McCoy, who all week said, Jameis, I know your moves. I've been helping them create matchups. Just wait and watch the game. And then his little pregame stint of, quote-unquote, I've been watching you guys dominate this team year after year. And ain't nothing going to change now except I'm going to do it with you. So this win felt good for everybody who's a Bucks fan. Um, Gerald McCoy really didn't do a whole bunch in my opinion he had a tackle for loss and I think three tackles but that was it um for a guy who really stated that he was gonna help create matchups and uh you know really have a quote-unquote revenge game against the Bucks really didn't do a whole lot so of course we play one more game against the Carolina Panthers in London in week six about four games from now so we'll have to see but man it feels real good to win a primetime game. The Bucks have been absolutely horrible, horrible uh, on primetime. And this was actually Jameis' first road win since the Chargers in 2016. So let's hope that this, you know, starts turning the tide of getting some road road wins in. They're going to need them with that six-game road, road stretch coming up after this week. They have to win a few games on the road. They have to. Or the seed is going to be for naught. Um, if the Bucks can start um, that road game skid next uh, with a win next week, you know, going two and one at home against the Giants, and maybe win, you know, two or three out of the six, I think they'll be in good shape for the rest of the season. But I'm going to do a more detailed episode next week against, uh, you know, breaking out some film against the Giants and also creating matchups I think will be good for the Bucks, maybe good for the Giants. You know, who I think will win that game. Um, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Um, if you're a Bucks fan, celebrate this weekend. Victory weekend, victory Friday. With the, with the short bye week, I think we can take a couple extra days to celebrate and be happy about this win. It was huge. Um, two big games to watch this weekend if you're a Bucks fan is the Rams at Saints and the Falcons at the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, if the Saints lose this game to the Rams... Guess who will be first in the NFC South? The Buccaneers, because they have a division win. So those are going to be two huge games to watch this weekend with no Bucks football on a Sunday. Um, everyone be blessed, be safe, and I'll catch back with you guys next week. Go Bucks. Mm-hmm.